Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So nice to meet you. I really feel like I know you because of this, because of this. This has changed my life, Jacqueline. It's incredible. And I've been reading little bits from it. And I've got some, I've highlighted bits when I was reading it. Um, it's such a great book. This, this started because you had a blog. Is that right? Yeah, that was the, that was the start of it all was, was the blog. Uh, and it, it kind of grew out of that. Uh, interestingly, now most people find me through the book and then realize I also have a blog. Um, but, but it's, it started out the other way around. When I'm recent ADHD diagnosis, like maybe in the last three or four months. And when I was told, I was told I was bipolar and ADHD at the same time. And I know there's kind of some crossover and I started reading about it, what ADHD was. Yeah. And I kept phoning Catherine. I'd get going, phone calls. Oh, I need to read you. I need oh to read you my, uh, what do you call it? Instruction manual. <laughs> oh my God. It explained so much. Mm -hmm. It explained so much. Can I ask, when did you realize that you were ADHD? Oh boy. Um, it's sort of a two tiered process, I guess. Um, I, I think the original suspicion on my part happened a little bit earlier on than I maybe talk about in the book uh, that when I was in the ninth grade, I had a boyfriend who had an ADHD diagnosis and took Adderall or something for it. And some of the things that he told me about it sounded very familiar. And I was like, hmm, um, this is in the somewhat early days of the internet also. So <laughs> I did a little bit of research on my own and I, I talked to my school guidance counselor and um, I did like a little assessment in a psychologist's office that was like a, it was on the computer. It was like an ADHD torture device um, <laughs> where it was 20 minutes long and it either showed the number one or two on the screen or a voice said the number one or two. And you had to like click the mouse every time you either heard or saw the number wow. two. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and and it produced this little bar graph um, for the evaluator uh, that showed you know how how attentive you were able to be to this task, um, which I I was not much. Um, but then she said, "Well, do you want to address this medically?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know." Um, and at that point, to to do some sort of evaluation through the school would have required me to get my parents and teachers to fill out a questionnaire. And I think I like, sort of masked my struggles to the level where I was like, well, I can't talk to them about this. This is like something that they don't know anything about. Yeah. So I, I won't involve them. Um, but then later on, uh, after I had gotten out into the, the real world, as it were, uh, I struggled a lot more also because school provided a helpful structure. <laughs> and so when I had to mind my own you know, home and office job and, and that kind of thing, I, I no longer had the structure of academia and a very harried uh, retail service job that, that sort of kept the adrenaline going. That's, that's when I was like, oh, no, uh, I need to learn more about this and, mm. and really re revisit it. So... Um, yeah, I, I knew like that I, I can trace back to about maybe when I first entered school at all. Um, there were some enormous red flags that I, I did not know were such at the time. And but, I did, I mean, I, looking when I mean, when I did the test with my psychiatrist and of course I didn't do it for like three or four months. It's just sat there. And then I did it. I ticked almost every box. There were three boxes I didn't tick. And I mm. sent it to him and went, Hmm, okay, well, this yes, this looks like something. And but before that, we did a, we did one from the internet, didn't we? And you oh, got we, me to do it as well. There, we, we did a few from the internet, you know, 30 questions. And I would get like 28 or 29. And I said to Catherine, but those tests are worded so that everyone gets 28 or 29. So you sign up to whatever they're selling. Yeah. And you did one. Yeah. And you got four <laughs> in the test. Um, but, but getting the diagnosis and it... It suddenly it all made sense and I read your book and I read a, a couple of other books that detailed some of the characteristics and things that I thought were me being naughty or me being thick mm -hmm. or, or you being weird me being weird were real things the, the, the two big ones that got me was quite often uh, and this doesn't apply to everyone so if you're watching this and this doesn't resonate with you well then keep listening because something else might uh, quite often people with ADHD are unable to remember faces or names. Mm -hmm. And I read that and, and Catherine or when I was married, my wife would, I'd have to go as someone approached, do I know them? Yeah, that's Steve. Or you I would point them. someone out and say, yeah. you spoke to them, remember. And, I, and, I, and I, I had to modify my language, coping mechanisms, because the number of times I said to people, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And they'd say, well, we worked together for a year. Oh, right. So now, I, now my, my greeting is, we've met haven't we I go in like that and the other one and this was a big joke between us I, if I'm in a party and someone is talking to me I cannot hear them I cannot it just turns into this one noise and we would joke about it yeah because we go to we go up to eat or something and we'll be talking and I just see him glaze over and he's I can't hear you I can't hear what you're saying and of course some people think that's rudeness you're not you're not paying attention you're not listening I'd really concentrate and I'd look at the lips and then I read in a book that that is sometimes Symptom is the wrong word because it's not uh, it's not a disease, but that is sometimes one of the the, the things. And of course, it's all different. And um, can I? And if I ask anything that's too personal, please just tell me because I don't mean to. I'm just excited to talk to you. Can I ask what are some of your key 
ADHD traits that that defi- that that are part of you that impact on your life? So for me, um, I mean, I had the the organizational challenges I talk about in the book, um, but I also had throughout my life when I was in younger uh, elementary school, I had a lot of behavioral problems that you know, teachers would would say I needed. The, the, my, one of my favorite was that I needed to learn how to work democratically in a group. <laughs> oh gosh! But okay. there was there was all this social nuance that I did not understand. Uh, I had a lot of friendships that ended, and to me, it felt like one day I was best friends with someone, and then the next day they were a sworn enemy. I had like no idea what happened, and, and some of those I still have no idea. Um, but I, I did have problems with sort of impulsive behavior in social situations. And so growing up, my friends were all boys um, because the boys were more rough and tumble and less about the mm. social nuance, you know, on the whole. Mm. And that's a huge generalization that is not true for everyone. Um, but for the most part, my, my close friends had always been boys. Um, but even so, um, that. The, the boyfriend I talked about with the ADD, he, I remember there was this time that he was like leaning against the lockers in the hallway and I just kicked his feet out from under him and he fell on his butt and he was like, why would you do that? That hurt. I was like, I don't know. It just happened. <laughs> but I had a lot of things. I would get in trouble. Me, you remember? I did kick a stall out from <laughs> yeah. you. Cause it, and it just happened. You, you remind me, Jacqueline. And, and by the way, if you see me typing, I'm just posting your links in the chat and we're going to keep posting them and you've got them on the screen. And we'll talk about the talks you've got coming up. I did, um, I did a reality TV show over here where we all have to live in a jungle for three weeks. And I got dropped in five days in. So everyone else had been there for a week. And I was very nervous and I came out and everyone was there. And the first thing I said was, oh, my God, you all look like shit. That's the first thing I've said to 20 people that I'm going to have to live with. Oh, my God, you all look like shit. 20 and their faces. vain celebrities oh, who yeah. are already a bit worried that their mask might be slipping. And, and he their says faces. That. And as soon as I said it, I thought, who, who said that? Where, where did that come from? You oh. know, but it was the first. And, ex- that, and that set the tone for them, didn't it? They hated me. <laughs> to me as a result but similar to that thing with with the boy it just happened it just happened and it's the thing is those first impressions though it's um you know my husband told me fairly recently considering how long we've known each other that he assumed when he first met me in college that I already had a bunch of friends and I was kind of a little superior like I didn't I didn't need the social group that that I was part of with him and I was like Oh no, I had nothing going on. I just didn't know how to speak to people. So I was usually just at my computer, sort of adjacent to the group. But, you know, but it's, you know, my growing up, my dad used to actually say who said that. He says it, but it's like he would say something he knew was offensive and then turn around and go, oh, who said that? (laughs) (laughs) It was, I mean, it was kind of facetious, but it it does sort of belie, you know, a way that we have of, saying the thing that we're we're maybe thinking before considering is <laughs> is this something that i a should say at all or b maybe it should phrase in this way 
Um, I'm, I'm reminded of, of there's, there's a, I had a friend, Matt Allwright, and um, he's not a friend anymore. And I was going, but what did I do? Well, I said something rude to him on Twitter. Um, as, as Where uh, there's no nuance anyway. Where there's no nuance as a joke. And he took it as he was deeply offended yeah. by it. Now, of course, if I'd thought about it, I wouldn't have said it. But I just went, ah, doesn't talk to me anymore. And it's it's that impulsivity, which is, I think has helped my career. It's also hindered my mm-hmm. career and, and held me back because I will say stuff. You know, I'm getting better. How are you now with the impulsivity? Do you have some kind of filter in place? I, I mean, I, I probably a lot better than I used to, but I definitely, before going, I mean, I have a lot of social anxiety and like before going into a group social situation, I still like, okay, I'm going to do that thing that you're supposed to do where you wait for three, four chances to speak to pass before you interrupt. And I very rarely succeed at that. But then, you know, afterward, I'll also, because my memory sort of gaps out a lot, you know, after a social gathering, it's like, Oh, I, you know, I hope I didn't say anything mm-hmm. offensive. And, um, and it's, I, I find, I don't know if you find this, but do you gravitate to people who, are of a similar disposition Um, because if I'm around people who are all very nice, that's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes because I, I'm like, I don't know what exactly they're thinking. And I'm going to forget to look at their faces and try to figure out what they're thinking by their faces. But the people who just blurt out whatever it is that they're feeling without worrying about hurting my feelings are actually maybe my favorite sorts because (laughs) it's, then I know if I know, I always know then What I'm having to do now is I'm really having to pay attention to you and not think of the next thing that I'm going to say. Of course, I thought that while you were saying that. That's another thing is, okay, someone's speaking. What am I going to say next? Oh, it's my turn. And that's a real big thing. And people can see that, you know, and it looks like you've lost interest. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, actually, once you know this is what I'm doing it now. (laughs) What, what you were saying about gravitating towards people that um, you don't have to um, use the filter so much. We were talking about that the other day when you said that I make your ADHD um, bouncier or something. Oh, you make it bouncier. Um, having got the diagnosis, and I'm not on medication yet. We tried one, but we're kind of focusing on the bipolar and getting that steady. And I'm really keen to try med- medication. We tried one, Zagatin, uh, which I think is kind of a Ritalin sort of derivative. I'm not sure. Um going off on a tangent and I can't remember what I was going to say. No, but at the moment you're trying to find out what the, oh, I'm feeling what it. it is. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Now I know what it is. I'm trying to feel it and I'm trying to, um, when it's appropriate, let it go. Not hold it back and just see what happens. My kids find it hilarious that I'll just be in the car going off on like a thousand tangents at once and doing voices and singing songs and going, oh, do you remember when we did that when you were four years old? And I'm kind of enjoying that. That release, now I know what it is. But I am looking forward to... In the early stages, though, you did find it bloody exhausting. Oh, yeah. Because you were conscious of what it was and you were identifying it all the time. And you said to me, it's exhausting. This book is great, by the way. And I thoroughly recommend this to anyone. We've got a lot of people in the chat who've been diagnosed, a lot who haven't. How easy is it to get diagnosed over there? Because here... It's it's lousy. On the NHS, it's like a 12 to 18-month waiting list. Um... You can do it privately, but it's anywhere between five hundred and five thousand pounds, and wow. the medication is not guaranteed on the NHS. It depends where you live if you'll get medication or not. Mm-hmm. How difficult or easy is it for you to get a diagnosis over there? 
well, I, you may have heard our healthcare system has a, a few of its own foibles. Um, so it, it honestly does really depend on your, your situation and your level of access, which is unfortunate. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I say this in the book, but I do have a blog post about it, that, that what I did was actually um, a lot of employers here have something called an employee assistance program, which you can you're entitled to something like six, um, it's going way back to my days as a human resources administrator, but you, you have something like six free mental health consultations okay. um, that you can call and it covers you and like your whole household. So even your roommates can can use it, but a lot of people don't know that this exists. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I just called their hotline thing and I said, look, I've allowed my life to disintegrate to a point where it's unbearable. Like I really need to do something about it now. Cause that's the thing with the 12 to 18 month wait, when you have people who often don't get around to calling for help until it's mm-hmm. a dire yeah. situation. Um, so that's not great, but I did get in to talk to someone and then they just referred me back to my just primary care doctor who for better or worse, you know, she said, will just try you on some of the common medications and see how you respond to them. And that may give us some clues also, um, but you meet the criteria. Um, some people go through a whole formal assessment um, mm. with a psychiatrist. Uh, some do not. Um, you know, I do not. Um, there are some really great, um, I actually near where I live is like the nationally known ADHD center Um that focuses on care for you know women with ADHD, but that's they don't take insurance, so right. you pay two thousand dollars out of pocket and then hope that you might get reimbursed some of it. Um, so it's sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not, um, and especially if you have sort of a non-standard presentation um, that they might try to label it as something else, or if you have a doctor who's doubtful then you know it can some people have a lot of trouble getting Uh, diagnosed and then it's a matter of you know your insurance uh you know again getting the medication is um you know sometimes a little spotty a personal question you may want to avoid are you are you on meds and if so what what do they do because i say i tried this this med and it 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 didn't really do a lot. It did nothing for me, basically. And you kind of have to, in this country, you have to start with this one to show that you've started here and then you go to different ones. What does it do? So for me, and I took notes at first because, you know, sometimes you don't notice all the things that it does. Um, and so I remember my notes that I took like the first week. Um, the big thing I noticed is my perception of time. Right. That there was, first of all, there was this big time that appeared between when I felt or thought something and when I acted it out. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is the time in which people were telling me that I needed to consider my words and my actions before doing them. And I never understood how others did that. Mm. Um, And then suddenly that, that time was was actually there, which was an interesting experience. But also I had at that time a 
just coincidentally a pretty challenging week at work. And I remember it being Friday and I thought, you know, it's just a week. Like it's only a week long and Monday we'll start again and it's fine. As opposed to the, well, how I'm feeling now is how I've always felt and how I always will feel in this one time is all that exists. Mm. And, you know, it's either all good or all bad, um, which is the term time blindness is, is passing out of favor in a lot of circles, especially on social media. Um, but it is, um, Russell Barkley has a whole talk on YouTube about um, ADHD is time blindness, I think is the title, but he talks about this nearsightedness to time. Taking notes, because um, this is good stuff for yeah. to go and look at. That, yeah. you know, not only is it like, if you have to get ready to go somewhere and you're finishing something up and you're like, well, I'll stand up and go get ready to go, like not this minute, but like, I'm just, just one more thing. And then yeah. it keeps snowballing. Um, but also it has that emotional component of when we're feeling something, it's very, we're feeling it often very strongly and not perceiving anything outside of that. Um, which is charming when it's a good feeling, um, when it's a bad feeling, not, not entirely so much. Um, but for me, that perception of time really changed and the ability to like feel something, you know, I'm reacting to something internally and acknowledge that without it sort of being a wave that takes over everything. Um, what is That's great about very... the book? The book and the book isn't like for the, it's not a diagnosis book. It's got some, you know, it it, it lists well, it doesn't list. You, you write about traits and things uh, that you noticed, and um, and I've highlighted loads of bits. Um, I live in constant fear of being found out by people who have me in high regard. I always felt others' trust in me was misplaced. Nonstop anxiety, struggle to create a social life. So there's stuff like that. But what is great about this order from chaos, and we'll put the links again in the chat, is you give tools for um, how to kind of fit into a non-ADHD world and how to be slightly more productive and more focused. And I'm reminded of that because I've got a whiteboard here now because of you. You know, I have a whiteboard. So when I'm doing the show, when I'm sat here working and I think, oh, God, I've got to get that thing for the kids. Instead of diving straight into getting that thing for the kids, I can write it down and go, OK, that's that. It worked so well. I've got a whiteboard in the kitchen so that if I'm in there, an idea comes up, I haven't got to go and get my phone out and go online or sit at the desk. I can write it down. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You do, um, I, I use the diary on my phone. Oh my God, I used to remember everything used to remember i've got a meeting on wednesday at two and i've got the d- dentists on thursday at, that's at five. Oh no hang on is it the dentist or is it the thing of course it was chaos and the number of times i'd get a phone call saying are you coming for your appointment or you know i turn up a day early i'm using the diary on the phone which seems like such a simple thing but it never and i'm color coding things and there's there's loads of suggestions in there like that the one that really got me, and you'll correct me if I've got it slightly wrong, and I started it and I'm struggling with it. You posted on Instagram about if there is something on your shelves that you need to move to get to other things or to dust, you're getting rid of it. Have I got that right? Yeah. I mean, not obviously things that are, you know, prized possessions. Um, I think it is common for people in general to keep things in their homes that are sort of decorative or whatever. Um, my go-to example sometimes is a plant stand, um, even though I have you know, plants all over everything else. But the, if I have to, if a shelf is a good example, it's, if it's too full of stuff, I won't dust it. And then it'll, you know, the dust will accumulate and then I'll feel badly about it. And, it'll, you know, this angst is happening. I'm mad about the dust and it would take two minutes to dust it, but I'm not because I have to move those three things. Um, I do really evaluate, is this something that I need to have here? <laughs> and I have, I have gotten rid of things because I don't enjoy them mm. enough to offset the cost of having to manage you know like the physical management of just having a thing that you have to maintain and clean around um i'm big on simplifying for make it easier to do don't don't learn how to try harder to do the thing because make it easier make the thing i started that these shelves were a mess and i and I, i read your book and i got i got rid of so much stuff it's just starting to build back up again. I got, what have I, oh, I put this on this. It's just starting to build back up. Um, but what, I remember that when you read that and you went, I've got too much stuff. Yeah. I've got too much stuff. It's starting to sort of, the walls are coming in. It's like, yeah. Get rid. What do you think? Because you, you have been, you've known me before the diagnosis. I'm guessing the diagnosis was not a surprise. No, but I don't, you know, I don't know about these things. But the more, you know, the more you show me in these books, highlighted sections where it's, it could be written about you, the more I think it was flipping obvious. And why did we not spot it before? But why did your teachers not spot it before? Why oh, were you allowed to think that you were somehow well, um, not a kid who could, um, you know, a disruptive kid? or a, you I know? was at school in the 80s and no one knew what it was then. It was, it was, it was naughtiness. And also, I kind of do think it's not, I, I kind of think it's not necessarily the schools. They're there to teach and they can't go, oh, this kid, you know. It, but, it they was do, the, but they do now. They do now. But it was the 80s and no one knew about it. And, you know, I remember we both have presented phone-in shows, Jacqueline, sort of in, from the late 90s onwards. And even in the early 2000s, I remember Nick Ferrari doing it, you get phone-ins. Uh, there's no such thing as ADHD. Just naughty it's children. just naughty kids. Yeah. What should we do with these naughty kids? Yeah. Do, we, do we suspend them? Do we expel them? Do we smack them? What do we do? Yeah. And that was going on 
In the last 15 years, there's yeah, no such thing. Because the popular you know, perception was you're just sedating naughty kids yeah. rather than dealing with bad parenting. Yeah. I remember people having that conversation and being absolutely convinced they were right. None of them, of course, being parents of kids with ADHD. How did you? Well, people still say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do. I've had people say too, oh, well, we don't believe in your know, labeling and you know, all that stuff. And, and I always sort of have to look at where they're coming from because I had someone say that to me who was a parent of kids with oh, ADHD, wow. but they had tremendous resources to send them to private school and get them tutored and just oodles of money. And I was like, well, okay. Um, You've given yourself a lot of privilege to say that you don't need the label, but for the vast majority of the world, I mean, a lot of people are very thankful for the label and and the the knowledge about it and knowing there's something they could do. You were relieved, weren't you? Oh, I found you up singing. I've got ADHD. Because <laughs> it explains so much. And you, you still have to be careful with GPs over here. If you get, you, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of them that still don't believe it. You know, the actual doctors don't believe that this is a thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, or they'll prescribe antidepressants for, you know, there, there is a... a Which makes it worse. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a correlation between depression and um, uh, ADHD. There can be. Also a correlation between addiction. I'm, I'm a recovering cocaine addict. And um, my psychiatrist, when we're, we're talking about meds, and a lot of them are amphetamine-based, so we're, being, we're treading very carefully... And he said, what, when you first started taking cocaine, what did it do for you? At the end, it was a car, it was a mess. But what did it do for you? And I said, well, when I, f- I remember the first few times I took it, I was really focused and I could, I could get knuckled down and I could do stuff and it made me laser kind of focus. And then, of course, it, be- it went out of hand and became awful. And he said, that's, that's quite often people who are ADHD will turn to something like that, subconsciously or consciously or whatever, because it works, it works for a bit, um, and then it stops working. Mm. You can't, can't, can't continue taking cocaine, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, <laughs> how did you, how did you write a book? Because that to me seems, you know, this is a big, brilliant, thick book. How did you do this? Well, so I. Uh the same way that I escaped any suspicion from people surrounding me of having ADHD in my childhood. Um, I, I just, I am a linguistic thinker. I've always been a writer and I found it easier to express my thoughts in writing than in speech, um, Mm. which actually my next book is going to be much more sort of a memoir uh, about friendships and and whatnot. Uh, and, And I just was writing this chapter about how one of the many times that that writing my feelings out instead of saying them got me into trouble um, because I gave a letter to a classmate with things that were, as I was informed later, very hurtful when put in writing, but defensible if I had just yeah. said them in a way that could be forgotten. Um, but so it's just my, uh, my brain works very linguistically, which goes against the stereotype of ADHD making us very, visual and, right. and spatially creative. Um, I definitely meant a lot of people like that, just just not me. Um, but it also meant that I could sort of coast along academically and, you know, get the you're too smart um, right. <laughs> to have a problem. Uh, but yeah, so writing has always been sort of what I what I 
do as a creative outlet. Um, and that's, so yeah, reading and writing are a challenge for a lot of people mm. with ADHD who maybe are more visually oriented. Um, but, you know, for me, it's, it's my sort of hyper-focus outlet right. okay. is books. So Funny, I, I, I do like reading, but I've just got a Kindle for the first time. So suddenly I'm carrying around 60 books in my hand. Oh, geez. It, it, you know, I'll read two pages of one and go, oh, I'm bored. And, I, you know, I've got like six, seven, eight books on the go now because of this. And it's wonderful, but it's um, it's kind of it's kind of tough. How did there are so many different things in here, folders, keeping tables clear, putting things away, magazines in, in, in kind of boxes and or, 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 you know, magazine racks. And if you've not read them after three months, then getting rid of them, all of those kind of things. How did you come up with them? Was that just trial and error? Some of it was trial and error. Um, some of it is, I think, where I've gotten things from other sources, I do cite them in there. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of trial and error and then sort of extrapolating from, you know, my whole thing with containers and what, what can that do? You keeping some things safe, like with the whiteboard, that's a container where you can keep things safe and not be anxious about forgetting that idea before you can get to it. Um, but once I recognized that the sort of physical surroundings influenced my ability to focus significantly. Um, then I started looking for, oh, if you have the teetering stack of magazines, that sort of doesn't feel very good as opposed to if they're just the same stack in a little bin that also kind of self-limits when, when it gets over yeah. the top of the bin. I'm like, ah, okay, I need to confess to myself that I'm not, like the New Yorker is a weekly magazine and I cannot... <laughs> I cannot read every single word of everyone. Um, then I give them away. But yeah, it, it, a lot of it was trial and error. Mm. And so a lot of this sharing my story was just, here's what works for me. And yeah. here's how I arrived at it. Because I think there are also a lot of prescriptive solutions out there. Yeah, We all operate differently and different things will work. So really it's... Um, matter of getting to know yourself and, and that's great and, and there are some things in there i haven't done because i think well, there's a couple of things i've tried that haven't worked i downloaded i think it's todoist which is an app that helps you keep a track of things and i did it for a week and it, it it didn't work for me i think one of the greatest things in here is differentiating between tasks and projects a task is no, that's one a big thing, one one thing a project is a series of tasks oh my god when I saw that, it was just, I'm one for writing lists, and I used to write a list in bed of what I needed to do the next day. But I would, you know, I would put down a project that had to be done as one thing. When you break it down into tasks, my God, it's so much easier. Yeah. That's just beautiful, that one. And that's a really simple one that anyone can do. It's the reason that a lot of things don't get done. Mm. Um, usually when I'm struggling to get something done, it's because I've tried to just shortcut it and put the one thing on the list when it really needs to be because our working memory is often really faulty uh so it's the you know that part of your brain that allows you to have like more than one thing in there at a time mm -hmm. and think of everything together we are not as strong on that and so i need to do it on paper and 
if if I've written down something like, you know, get the there's a recall out on the car, you know, get the service work done. If I write that on the list as one thing, it's like that's never ever going to happen because it's actually, you know, six things that need to happen to get that done. And I just can't hold it all in, in my head when I see that one. Tim in the chat, is loads of, by the way, everyone in the chat is loving this. Let me post the link again. Tim is saying he needs to get the book. The book is Order from Chaos, Jacqueline Paul, and, and I, I, I've been banging on about it for ages. You're doing some courses as well, aren't you? Yeah, it's kind of an experiment uh, in a way. I did, a, yeah, it's a seven-week uh, workshop that I did with my Patreon folks actually over the summer, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's basically the you know, it's, it's like a sort of interactive form of the book. Like if you're having trouble getting through the book on your lonesome um, and you want to maybe make some friends, then it, that's, that's the format for you. Um, but yeah, we would get together and, you know, each week cover sort of a segment of the, of the book and discuss, you know, share people would you know, turn the camera around and share some, you know, success story or whatever. And people could be, help them celebrate the small wins, um, which was, a, was a lot of fun. So it's a, yeah, it's kind of a new, new, new thing uh, that I'm, I'm hoping to expand because it was, I didn't expect to enjoy it so much over the summer, but it, it was lovely um, to get together with like-minded people and have a, you know, environment to sort of learn the concepts of the book without, you know, having to just sit alone in your yeah. living room and try to try to slog through it, which I know, you know, for those who do struggle to do that. Um, I found this a, or, a, a tough read, because, you know, because it, it, there is a lot of information and it took me ages to read it, mm -hmm. but um, I loved it, you know, and I, I devoured it. And I did. I kept phoning you up or, or sending pictures of, of bits. Yeah. And going, oh my God, look at this. This is how I can do this. And this is why I struggle in this environment, yeah. um, your book has changed my life. It's, you know, it really is as simple as that, Jacqueline. It has changed my life and it has improved it immeasurably. And, um, you know, being diagnosed at, uh, I think it was 47, I guess, um, it was a shock and it was a relief and it was wonderful and it was heartbreaking. It was all those things. And I was looking for books. I couldn't find that. that there were surprisingly, because I think there is... Um, there are less women have been diagnosed with ADHD. And I don't think that's because less women have it. It's just the way it works. Mm. So actually, there are quite a few books about women with ADHD, you know, because it's kind of a, a hidden problem is the wrong word. But, you know, it's a hidden issue. Uh, and, and there were some books that, I, that I've got and they weren't particularly well written. There was one that I've got that isn't very well written. I can't remember the name, but actually had a lot of information in. And then there was this. There was this. And um, it's changed my life. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. For this. Well, that's very that's very flattering. I I I love to hear when it's reached someone. It's true, and it is. It, you know, I have a whiteboard here because of you. <laughs> you know, and I love it. It's my favorite favorite thing. Um, thank you so much. When do we know when your next book is coming out, or is it still early days? Um, it's still early days. I would say, you know, certainly twenty twenty two. Um, but uh, yeah, there, unless I do, I. There's another smaller project that that may may come slightly earlier, um, but yeah, I, the the pandemic kind of it was not so good for work for many of us. Um, so everything's a little behind schedule, but it's it's good to be sort of getting back in it. Um, yeah. 
to the extent we can. Hopefully that continues. I know things are... Fingers crossed. I'm not quite so sure, particularly without government, but that's by the by. Well, yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> um, Jacqueline, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Honestly, you have had such an impact on my life that has that is kind of you know the ripples are affecting my kids and Catherine and the show and so many things yeah it's been great it's been great it's mm. you just been able to identify with somebody and realize that all that stuff we'd filed under quirky stuff that Ian does is not that quirky not or that rudeness, different rudeness you know <laughs> yeah. and, and there are now tools um that that, that mean stuff gets done mm. when stuff didn't get done thank you so much Jacqueline it's really really nice to talk to you and thank you for your time and you're, when the new book comes out you're welcome to come and chat with us anytime if we can help in any way oh thank you thank you so much this has been nice lovely Thanks, nice Jackie. to meet you right. thank you very Take much bye bye, bye. Um, she's great right yeah Quiet Blokes ordered the Audible book. But That's I think the thing. a lot of that is really useful for everybody. I'm a bit of a, of a procrastinator. I see the tangle rather than the little knots that you can unpick. So that thing she was talking about there about getting the car service, I know it was hypothetical for her. I need to get mine done, but I can't be asked. But what I need to write down on my list is yeah. phone the garage. Yeah, well, and that's it. <laughs> I just it. did that. I could do that. It would take me five minutes. And and that's it. Car needs to be. Excuse me. Car but instead, needs to be I serviced. think I don't know what I'm doing next week. I can't think about that right now. I'll do it another time. Yeah. And the weeks go on. Um, it is the, the breaking the tasks and the projects thing. That's that for me is the key takeaway from the book. Um, that has is it. It's great. She's amazing. Um, and what a lovely human being as yeah, well. What yeah. a delightful human being. I knew, I knew she would be having read this. Thoroughly recommend it. It's, so, it's just full of highlighted bits where I've gone, okay, all right, this is, this is what is going on for me. And it's, I say it's not a dyke. Um, uh, I felt secure, insecure in all my relationships, both personal and professional. I had nowhere to retreat. My life was a mess. I had no space to gather my thoughts. Chaos lurked everywhere. I rarely communicated with long-distance friends or family. I struggled to create a social life in a new home. I either felt I didn't have time because I needed to catch up and calm some of the chaos, or I wasn't organised enough. I wanted to write a book and publish articles, yet dedicated no time to my creative pursuits. There we are. Um, yeah, we'll get the, the chat in Discord, and we'll put that out. I think we put that out as a podcast for everyone as well, that everyone should have access um, to that. Ian, please stop reading from my brain. I'll find out what the other book was. It's, it's quite badly written, but actually it was, it was, it was really, it mm. had some really good information in. Um, we overran slightly, but I think that, that, that can't go behind a paywall. <laughs> enjoyed this short podcast and would like to hear more head to patreon.com slash ian and Catherine for longer podcasts full shows and loads of other perks ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.